0: Welcome to Sunday School for Heathens.
1: The show where we learn about Christianity and how weird it sounds to everyone else.
0: I'm Shannon. And I'm Brian. Welcome to the show. All right, Brian, I told you that I had some uh, religion in pop culture that I wanted to get your take on.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited.
0: So one of the television shows that I like to watch in the summertime is American Ninja Warrior. And have you heard of the Papal Ninja?
1: No, please, please explain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is a guy who is a competitor on American Ninja Warrior, whose name is Sean Bryan.
1: Of course it is, yeah. Very, very Irish Catholic.
0: And I do not think he is actually a priest. He has gone to seminary, but he seems to still be a layperson. Okay. Um, But he works for the Catholic Church in some capacity, and also... Was the person who went the second furthest on this season of American Ninja Warrior, and he wears yellow and white shirt that looks like the flag of the Vatican. Okay,
1: good. I was hoping there would be something like that. Yeah. When you first said it, I imagined he was doing all of this dressed like the Pope, and that was really what I wanted to happen.
0: Not like the <laughs> Pope, but see, I'll show you a picture.
1: That's his. Okay. His Jersey situation. All right. But his... The anything pri- anything more would probably be hard to do all of that in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and there's a a group of priests and friars who, like, come watch him do his thing. Amazing. And I guess maybe he's in the seminary and going to be a priest at some point. Uh, could be. But uh, he is... I find him interesting, and he made me think of you, so I wanted to tell you all about jean Brian the Papal Ninja.
1: I will... I will root for him and also just keep that title in mind if I ever do anything worthy of it.
0: Great. (laughs) Also, his favorite saint is St. Francis de Sales.
1: Cool. Good for him. He probably went to a de Sales high school. There's a lot of them.
0: Apparently, he (laughs) met a, uh, a sister of the Salesian order, and then he sort of thought that that was great and went from there.
1: Cool. That's Good. what I know. Good on him. Maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about Francis DeSales on a future episode. That sounds great. Uh, but for this episode, oh man. So Shannon, do you remember uh, you asked if uh, we if we needed to be careful about swearing on this podcast because we might need to have a trigger or a label on it or something?
0: Yes, there is. I think a chance that we might be labeled explicit if we curse on the show.
1: So it does not matter if we swear or not. This. Episode will probably be labeled explicit.
0: Ooh, Uh, an explicit (laughs) content warning. What are we talking about today, Brian? We
1: are talking about onanism. Do you know what onanism is, Shannon? I have not a clue what onanism (laughs) is. Onanism is masturbation.
0: Oh, (laughs) wait.
1: Would you like to know why onanism is the word that some religious communities use for masturbation?
0: Because own-self-something? That's um, a good. That's a good guess,
1: but it's actually a guy's name, Onan. Okay. He got it. He got his ownism.
0: Can you spell that?
1: O n a n. Onan.
0: Okay. So it sounds yeah.
1: I get I get the own thing, but no, it's a dude's name. So in this story, there is a man named Judah, and he had three sons.
0: Where have I heard Judah before?
1: Judah is one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Judah is the one that. Jesus came from. Great. So, big deal, important down the line for Christianity. So Judah, he had three sons. They were Er, Onan, and Shelah.
0: Er, A-I-R?
1: E-R. Like er. er. I, maybe it's er. Okay.
0: okay. Er, Onan, And Shelah. Shelah.
1: Pronunciations? Who knows? That's my best guess.
0: Great. Spell Shelah?
1: S-H-E-L-A-H.
0: Sheila. We'll Great. go with that. Great.
1: So, air offended the Lord in some unspecified way.
0: Does that sounds like a thing that you're supposed to, that happens a lot? Yeah, it kind of, especially, really, it's the, this is in the Old Testament. That's the Testament where God just smotes people for kicks. Cuck,
1: a lot more, yeah.
0: Which one is the scary God? The Old Testament is scary God and the New Testament is less scary God?
1: Generally, yeah. Okay. You could, yeah. That generally breaks down like that.
0: Okay. I knew that people say that that's a thing, but. Yeah. So Scary God is upset by something Air er did. We don't know what.
1: Right. And this was a problem because Air er had a wife named Tamar that Judah had gotten for him, and Air er died before he had any kids, so he had no heirs. Air er had oh. no heirs. Huh.
0: There we go. (laughs) Heir had no heirs.
1: So it was a rule that Tamar was supposed to marry the next in line son so that his kids would count as the older brother's kids. This is from an old Israelite law that basically when brothers hold property together in the family, it gets passed down through the oldest brother's kids. And so you want to try to make sure that the oldest brother has kids even if it's technically the younger brother.
0: It's So it's all about keeping it in the family?
1: Yeah, and it's all about giving it, to, keeping the line of the oldest brother alive.
0: So that way, if you're the second oldest brother and you marry this same wife, your firstborn is also still technically his firstborn, and then the firstborn still inherit the property and all of that? Exactly. Great.
1: So this gets spelled out in Deuteronomy. and. The rules, I, I just like this story, so I'm going to share this little aside about it. If the younger brother doesn't want to marry the wife, they're supposed to go to the elders, and the elders are supposed to talk to him and try to convince him. But then, if he doesn't change his mind, this uh, the sister-in-law, who's the, the older brother's widow, is supposed to spit in his face, take his sandals off of his feet, and proclaim, this is what you get for not caring about family. <laughs> And his descendants shall be spoken of as the family of the man stripped of his sandal.
0: Amazing. <laughs> is there any stories after that of this actually happening to anyone?
1: This is the closest, but the sandal thing does not happen in this story. Okay, but what we're getting to is owning doesn't want to marry tomorrow. He goes ahead and marries her. Okay. And they have sex. Okay. Because that's what
0: you're supposed to do when you're trying to preserve your older brother's lineage. Right, but
1: he pulls out.
0: Interesting. Does it say why?
1: Because if there are no children from this Tamar and Onan relationship, the second eldest son gets the property.
0: But he's going to get the property anyway.
1: No, it would skip to his own son who counts as his older brother's son.
0: But... His son is probably going to outlive him anyway. Isn't he going to get to, like, steward the property?
1: But if he never has kids, it's just his. Or if he has them with someone who's not Tamar. So he's just waiting it out? Kinda. I think that was his plan. But anyway, he pulls out, spills his seed, as it were, and God is pissed. And God strikes him dead. So, he didn't get a chance to live out whatever the rest of his plan was.
0: How many times does he pull out before he pisses off God?
1: Unspecified.
0: Because you would think, like, the first time is like, maybe panic, maybe not sure how sex works, and the second time, I don't know, you keep coming up with excuses and eventually three strikes and you're literally actually out?
1: Uh, well the The belief at the time was that whatever it took to make a complete human was contained in the sperm. So it,
0: so they got they, it defini- off, right?
1: they definitely knew that pulling out was stopping pregnancy. Like that was that would have been knowledge that they had had at the time. He knew what he was doing was preventing children from happening.
0: Yes, but so was it the very first time he pulls out.
1: There goes the smoting. Once again, the Bible does not go into that level of detail. It might have been the first time. It doesn't say, yes, this happened on the very first time. It just says it happened. I need more specifics from this
0: document.
1: I cannot give them to you. All of the writers are dead.
0: Fine. (laughs) Continue. Onan has been smote.
1: Onan is smote for committing the first act of onanism, which is not technically masturbation.
0: It's not even masturbation. (laughs) So how does this go from being ejaculating without the purpose of having children to actually self-pleasure?
1: We'll get to that, but honestly, the story gets better. Really? Oh yeah, this is a good story.
0: Okay, so Tamar is still childless and still now a widow twice over. Yes. Both of her husbands have been smoked and that leaves Sheila?
1: Yes, one more son. Still a kid at this point. Awkward. Yes. So, Judah says, hey, can we please wait until he's an adult? And they all agree, yeah, probably a good choice.
0: Good dad, Judah. Yeah. Like you. I'm he glad does.
1: that you go on to be the great, great,
0: great whatever of Jesus.
1: Yeah, he, he makes this good choice, but some also not great choices. Oh, God. So, a long time passes. Sheila grows up. Tamar still doesn't get to marry him. And she's pissed about it.
0: Why doesn't she get to marry him?
1: Because Judah is afraid that this third son is also going to die.
0: So now we're blaming Tamar for the problem. Yes. This is where we get to the patriarchy. Sure, yeah. Or will there be more patriarchy later?
1: Kind of more patriarchy later.
0: I mean, I'm not surprised.
1: But also Tamar is great, so we're going to keep going on this story. Okay. So long time passes. Judah's wife dies. He goes into mourning. And then he comes out of mourning and goes traveling to shear some sheep.
0: That's a thing, I guess. I think it's
1: probably what he did for a living.
0: Okay, it's not like, he, like went on walkabout to shear sheep, he just went about his daily life because he was finally off of the proverbial couch of sadness because his wife is dead? Yes.
1: So Tamar hears where he's going and she takes off her widow's clothing and veils her face and dresses up very nicely. I think I see where this is going. And she waits by the side of the road and doesn't say anything, but Judah assumes that she is a prostitute.
0: (laughs) Because prostitutes wear veils?
1: Yes, actually.
0: All prostitutes wear
1: veils? At this time, yes. Interesting. (laughs) But maybe she was dressing as a prostitute. Maybe she was just there in a veil. We don't... Were other people also
0: wearing veils?
1: She was on a, an isolated stretch of road at the time because there were no witnesses to this whole event. But
0: in general, were women who were not prostitutes known to wear veils?
1: I honestly do not know, but oh. I everything that I've read has led me to believe that the veil signaled her as a prostitute.
0: Okay, so Judah thinks he finds a prostitute on a desolate stretch of road somewhere adjacent to his sheep.
1: Yes. So he propositions her and she asks, what will you pay me? And he says, I will give you a sheep. And she says, all right, but you don't have the sheep with you, so I need some collateral. And he says, "Okay, what would you like? And she asks for his staff and seal. The reason she does that is because they're basically ancient ID. They're specific to him, so it'd be easy for her to find them and also know who he is and how to get him.
0: So she's holding on to his driver's license.
1: Essentially, yeah, as collateral.
0: Okay, that's reasonable.
1: So they have sex, and she gets pregnant from it. Because of course. Of course, uh, God is involved.
0: Yeah. God so, really wants this lady to have a baby?
1: He does. I do too. I want tomorrow to, ha- to end well. Good for her. So Judah goes off and gets the sheep and sends one of his servants to give it to her. The servant cannot find her and asks the people in the area, hey, have you seen a prostitute around here? And they all say, no, there's never been a prostitute around here. What are you talking about?
0: So he... She doesn't send him an address, presumably, because she's pretending to be some not herself. So does this servant just bring the sheep to the desolate spot in the road where he picked up the prostitute?
1: Essentially, yes. That, that's, is, that is the plan.
0: That's a great plan.
1: I assume not much time has passed.
0: But why didn't he say, here, stay right where you are? He probably bring did. You a sheep.
1: He did. He, he was trying to give it back to her, and... Then Judah says, okay, we tried to get her the sheep, we did what we could. Don't mention this to anybody, this could be scandal.
0: Especially because she has his ID.
1: Right, but the plan is just to forget about it and hope it all goes well.
0: Which is always the wrong <laughs> choice.
1: So fast forward three months.
0: Okay, now she's more substantially pregnant.
1: Tamar is visibly pregnant and people are complaining and people complain to Judah and say, your daughter-in-law is a harlot. Do something about it. He gets mad and says, I will have you burned to death for being a harlot.
0: Because she's still living in his house and things because she's the widow of both of his sons? Correct. Okay, and he hadn't figured out that she was pregnant by this point? Men are dumb. Fair.
1: And his wife is Also only three months along. It's not like that far.
0: But if she's visibly pregnant?
1: Somebody finds it visible, I don't know.
0: Okay, I mean three months is also not that far along, You're right. But anyway, we're going to burn
1: Tamar at the stake. Yeah. They bring Tamar in and she says, hold on a second, I have this staff and seal of the man who got me pregnant. And... I like
0: her a lot.
1: And Judah says, well, uh, yep, you are right, you are more in the right than I am, go on with your life. And it is noted that they never had sex again and she had twins.
0: Great. Now, did she have this I have the staff and seal moment privately in front of him so he could say, whatever, you're good, or did she do it in the town square and make him look like an idiot?
1: I think she made him look like an idiot. That might just be wishful thinking on my part.
0: Yes. Because I would hope that we would have heard more about what happened to Judah when everyone found out That he slept with his son's wife.
1: I mean, you're also overestimating the Catholic Church's treatment of women. They would absolutely cover this up, even if everybody heard about it.
0: True, but I guess I'm trying to not overestimate, or underestimate rather, the Catholic Church's dislike of sexual impropriety. Because sleeping with family members is still illegal, right?
1: Yes. That brings us to what technically is the sin of Onan. I said before it was masturbation. That's kind of what is generally accepted, but there's other theories that people have. One is the one that I kind of think, which is the not fulfilling your duty in honor of your dead brother. Yes. Because that was a direct law that was given to the ancient Israelites. Uh, another possibility is that it was wasting a seed, like I said, that includes masturbation, that includes pulling out, that includes gay sex, anything that can't make a kid happen. And birth control, yeah.
0: That's where we, this is where we get the birth control
1: thing. Yes, we also get birth control from this story. The third and probably the most interesting thought is that having sex with Tamar without trying to get her pregnant would count as incest because in the context of trying to make her have a baby he counts as her husband but there are other rules that say you can't have sex with your brother's wife.
0: So he's both having sex with his brother's wife and having sex with his wife all at the same time so he is both sinning and not sinning so they net out to zero?
1: No so he's sinning because the only time he gets to act as his brother is if they're trying to make a baby. Yes. So that is the that is one of the thoughts on what technically Onan's sin that was that led to his death.
0: Or is the sin of Onan being a selfish prick for trying to conspire to get all of the land himself?
1: That's definitely part of it, and I think that gets rolled into not fulfilling your family duty.
0: Fair. But where does that leave Judah?
1: Judah just kind of goes on living. There's more stories about him at different points, but that's kind of the end of his involvement in this particular story. So what happens to
0: Tamar and the twins? This has gotten whole
1: They're, soap oh, opera man. style. Oh boy, so much of the Old Testament is a soap opera. We will just cut it off and and let you know that she had she had twins. She had twin boys. Uh.
0: But I don't even get to know anything else about them?
1: That's all you get to know. We could get into that at a later date.
0: Oh, man.
1: I don't want to have this podcast go hours of me just explaining (laughs) all of Genesis.
0: (laughs) I feel like we've just ended an episode of Game of Thrones right when you're about to find out something cool and interesting and you know it's about to happen, but instead you're just stuck waiting an indeterminate period of time for that review.
1: Oh, I'm honored if we're if we're as suspenseful as Game of Thrones.
0: It's just the way you say and she had twins that makes me think that they're famous, interesting, and useful twins and that I will probably recognize their names, otherwise you would have told them to me.
1: Um, no, I just didn't write them down.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really it. Fine. Honestly, in my mind, the moral of this story should be Tamara's awesome and great. And we all love her. But really, the moral of this story is when and how is sex bad? So So many
0: weird, complicated feelings about sex in this story.
1: There's a lot. So I was looking in the Bible for specific references to masturbation because this story of Onan gets called out as the one.
0: But it's not really about masturbation. Right. It's about safe sex. Eh, I mean, not
1: the safest sex.
0: No. (laughs) But, these days, you would count that as probably not the worst plan.
1: Sure. Uh, If you are trying to not have kids, which is what Odin was doing. Yes. So, other places where we sort of approach talking about masturbation is in Leviticus. It says that a man should wash himself after any emission of seed. So this doesn't differentiate between sex with a woman, sex with a man... Uh, wet dream masturbation any of that for the purposes of this it's just bad because There's something to clean up.
0: It just implies that emissions are dirty Basically, okay, so there's some negative subtle implication there
1: Yeah, and then another one that gets called out is in Matthew in the New Testament. There's This comment that Jesus makes that if your right hand causes you to sin It's better to cut it off than to be thrown into the fires of hell. And some people interpret that as referring explicitly to masturbation when it's kind of general. He. If you're
0: right handed. You could be doing a lot of things with your right hand that could be sins.
1: That's true. Uh, and right before that, he says if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck out your eye so that you don't sin. Yeah. So, so it's a little more general.
0: Now I'm starting to think of all the different sins you could commit with just your right hand.
1: There's probably a lot of them. It's a lot of them. first one that pops to my head, I don't know why, is just stabbing.
0: That's what I thought.
1: (laughs) You can hold a weapon in your right hand. (laughs) So, very general. The third place that I found is just a... I don't even have a specific thing that Paul wrote because there's a bunch of references to it. Paul's
0: here. Paul is
1: always going to be here. Don't you worry. I like it when Paul's here. Oh boy. He's very
0: verbose.
1: Most people don't like it when Paul is here. There's some people who like it when Paul is here. I'm amused by Paul. So Paul basically just talks about needing to resist the desires of the flesh. And in general, he has a lot of conflict about the desires of the body that he says are unclean versus a spiritual nature that is clean, that is given by God. So it's that fight between physical desire and spiritual desire. So
0: it comes back to our original sin thing that we were talking about before.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then we get further removed. We get into- Because our... Paul didn't actually meet Jesus. That is true.
0: So we're moving further and further away.
1: Although some people fight me on that because he got visions of Jesus. He saw the risen Jesus. He did not see Jesus before.
0: He did not meet Jesus Prime.
1: He did not meet Jesus before his death and then resurrection. Jesus Prime. Sure. (laughs) He got Jesus 2.0. Exactly. So then we go a little bit further in time to Clement of Alexandria, who just says wasting sperm is bad in any case, which he gets pretty directly from the Old Testament.
0: Yeah, it's messy and not useful.
1: This is where we get spermicide is bad, so we get into the first theological conclusions that birth control is bad. Okay. And that's because the whole person is present in the sperm, so you're wasting a person. Is the thought. And this was people thought this until the late eighteen hundreds. They didn't figure out how How sex made it. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild.
0: (laughs) I have so many questions. That's fine.
1: Um, Continue. I am not a doctor. The medical part of it will uh, have to be left to someone else.
0: I'm sure there are very talented medical professionals out there that if you don't know where babies come from by now, please ask an adult that's not us.
1: I will make a note to ask an adult after this podcast. Most other opinions stem from the idea that getting the pleasure of sex without trying to conceive is a form of excess. And when we get a few hundred years away from Jesus, excess is just bad. Austerity is king, we don't want to eat a lot of food, we don't want to enjoy alcohol, we don't want to...
0: Is this where Seven Deadly Sins comes in?
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of the same idea, where it's just we don't want a lot of anything. The pleasure is what we're avoiding. So th- we get into Saint Augustine we've talked about before. We did
0: talk about St. Augustine
1: After he had his turnaround where he stopped being a party boy, Patron St. of Party Boys. he really hated sex in any form.
0: Poor man.
1: He said that we were cursed with lust when we got kicked out of Eden. And that before we were kicked out of Eden, men could control their penises just like any other part of the body and didn't need to be aroused to conceive children. Women could get pregnant without losing their virginity. And no one had to have sex ever in this paradise.
0: St. Edelstein's idea of paradise is my idea of hell.
1: (laughs) He also said that the ideal married couple should live together as brother and sister.
0: He wants the 50s housewife sitcom with the separate twin beds in the same
1: room. Oh, 100%.
0: St. Augustine is a weird dude.
1: Oh, yeah, so weird. So we really codify masturbation as a mortal sin, which is really bad sins that you'll go to hell for. Mm-hmm. Pope Leo IX does that. When
0: was Pope Leo the IX? AP, European history is failing me.
1: Pope Leo the IX was ar- around the 11th century.
0: Okay, so we're still pretty out there.
1: So yeah, we're... Middle Ages is like the high point of we hate our bodies. It seems to be. Another Middle Ages theologian was Jean Gerson. He said that men had to confess with super duper detailed confessions about any sexual sins.
0: This guy's a freak. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I think this guy's a freak.
1: And they got to the point where they were worried that they were asking too many leading questions and were teaching young men how to masturbate in confession. That would do it. <laughs> so I have one. I have one more uh, fun theological note. That is my favorite argument against masturbation, just because I think it's funny. I'm ready. It's from Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century. Okay. He said, of course, masturbation is bad because people feel ashamed of it.
0: <laughs> For the listeners, I just put my head in my hands.
1: Gotta love a good circular argument. I'm
0: such a circular argument, that's wild. Now I have a question, Brian. Sure. Many of these arguments against masturbation have a lot to do with both procreation and also the spilling of seed. Right. Where does masturbation with organs that are not
1: penises come in? It's not important.
0: Great. So, (laughs) lady parts having humans can masturbate all they want as long as we're not getting too much pleasure from it or feeling ashamed
1: okay so once we codify things in the middle ages then they crack down but there's nothing nobody for a long time wrote anything saying that it was bad because nobody cared
0: all right so this is really where the patriarchy comes in oh yeah (laughs) we found our patriarchal moment of the show and it is the catholic church didn't care about female masturbation
1: yeah, er, early on. Eventually, they really cared, and it was just bad when anybody did it. It was just always bad. And no it one should was allowed to bad.
0: touch or have
1: feelings. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm going to just jump ahead to what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in so the modern view that the Catholic Church has. They say that sex is only for bearing children and also for spiritual bonding between a husband and wife within matrimony.
0: Uh Ah. So? So you're allowed to have sex for fun if it makes you feel closer as a couple?
1: Yes, but only types of sex that could possibly create a child.
0: Okay. So that eliminates any sort of non-vaginal penetration.
1: Yeah, I have heard it described as marital-genital intercourse.
0: Ooh. That hurts to think about. (laughs) You're welcome. Please take it away. I don't Um, like it at all.
1: And the official party line on masturbation is that it is intrinsically and gravely disordered. Interestingly enough, same wording used for homosexuality. Interesting. The catechism also says that immaturity, force of habit, conditions of anxiety, or other psychological or social factors can reduce moral culpability.
0: Uh ah so masturbation for stress relief not as bad as masturbation for other things
1: kind of it's still bad but they get why it happens
0: okay so <laughs> please don't masturbate but if you have to masturbate like we get it
1: you're but not also, going to not masturbate but also please confess after and try not to
0: uh, interesting edge they're towing there
1: <laughs> that's so many things
0: unrelated well semi-related are there any tricks for remembering how to spell catechism
1: oh boy i get it wrong every time i spell it so no great good luck everyone i can't spell i'm an engineer
0: good for you i can't spell i've never had to type the word catechism (laughs) i can barely pronounce it right in my head half the time
1: fair enough so is that where we've left it shannon that is masturbation
0: Great. Onanism! I, I learned a new word today! Yay! Also, we learned that Tamar is a badass.
1: That is the real moral of the story. Please, everyone, take that from this podcast.
0: Tamar. Tomorrow. A plus. A plus, not Harlot.
1: All right, Shannon. So now it is time for the patronage pop quiz, where I tell you the story of a saint, and you try to guess what they are the patron of.
0: I am not at all ready.
1: All right, just how I like it.
0: it.
1: All right, so the saint this week is my personal favorite saint. Okay. His name is Saint Walter of Pontoise.
0: I was told Saint Walter would appear at some point.
1: He's a good one. So he was born in Pigardy, France in the 11th century, where he became a philosophy professor. He he then became a Benedictine monk to escape temptation that came with being successful as a philosophy professor, for some reason. He was appointed first abbot at the monastery at Pontoise by King Philip I. Walter didn't think Philip had the right to confer that honor. He thought that only God could. Also, he just wanted to live a quiet life away from the world and didn't want all this responsibility of being an abbot. So he's there as abbot and he runs away. And the monks bring him back. And then he runs away again to try to live his quiet life of solitude and prayer. And they bring him back again. And then he runs away to the Pope and asks the Pope, please, Pope Gregory, can you make me not abbot anymore? And Pope Gregory says, No, Walter, go do your job and stop running away. (laughs) So reluctantly, Walter goes back to the Abbey and he decides to make himself the best damn abbot. And so he starts calling out priests who are doing bad things to the point where people start getting mad at him and he gets in trouble and he gets uh, beaten up and imprisoned for making the wrong people mad. So he eventually gets released and goes back to the Abbey, continues doing his work, spends entire nights in prayer, doesn't really cause any more trouble again, and just lives out his life. It's A little bit sad, probably, but still the Abbot. So, Shannon, what do you think St. Walter is the patron of?
0: Okay, so I now know St. Walter's life story, and I know that Walter is your favorite saint. So I'm trying to think of things that you like, that Walter likes, that maybe that is combined, but I already have figured out who the patron saint of Brewers is because we talked about him last week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I will let you know there's a lot of overlap. There's, I'm sure there is. There's lots of... There's several patrons of Brewers. Brewers. But one of them is St. Augustine. That is true.
0: But I don't think that's what St. Walter is the patron saint of. Is he the patron saint of celebrities?
1: He is not the patron saint of celebrities. I honestly don't know if there is a patron saint of celebrities. I will have to look.
0: I just think it makes sense that he did not like being famous for (laughs) being a philosophy professor and thus
1: wanted to live a quiet life of solitude. So, the actual list of patronages of St. Walter are Prisoners, Prisoners of War, Vintners, which are winemakers. Winemakers. Yeah! I didn't know that. I had to look that up. That's great. Uh, Pontoise France. Yes. And my personal favorite, the reason why I love him, he is the patron against work-related stress. Amazing.
0: My, it's interesting that it's prisoners and prisoners of war because my second guess was going to be refugees. Oh, interesting. In that, like, running away from things that you don't like and his coming to the Pope feels sort of a asylum plea in some sort of way.
1: Sure, and the, the prisoner part is definitely for when he was in prison, not that he was a prisoner in the Abbey. <laughs> I feel like he was a prisoner in the Abbey. I think he did too, but he was very stressed and I relate to that when I feel very stressed. Oh, Saint Walter, I like you. I The worst part is when people pray to him for that, then he has to answer their prayers. And I just imagine Walter is so stressed.
0: Unfortunately, becoming a saint
1: has only made him more stressed. That's... Oh, poor Walter. I do love him.
0: What a good guy. Alright. I think that's it.
1: That's all I have for today.
0: Well... If you want to correct us on anything we said, if you want to give us a topic for our podcast, if you have any other questions, comments, concerns, riddles, or book recommendations, you can reach us on Twitter at Sunday School for Heathens or email us at Sunday School for Heathens at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Adam Griffin. You can check him out at alteringgravity.wordpress.com. Our logo is by David Griffin, who just ran the Dublin Marathon this weekend. Congrats. Special thanks also to Aaron Quick and Jim Altrus. Thank you all so much for listening, and amen.
1: Amen. You may now go in peace to like and share the pod.